question tonight. Can, can we try and do that tonight? I want to answer life's biggest question. Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? This is, this is the question of young adulthood. This, this is the driving force of, of so much of who we are. And if we aren't careful, we'll get the answer to this question backwards. What will happen is, is we'll begin to live a life that allows our outside circumstances to determine who we are. When in actuality, that's not how we were designed. You see, what's happening in our world today is we have a world that is so narcissistic, that is so depressed, that is so insulated and self-focused and just worried about who, who we are and what we can get for ourselves, that we're seeing so many people in this total loss of identity. We're seeing identity crisis after identity crisis. We're seeing public meltdowns. The people that we promote and the people that we praise are people that are absolutely suffering and broken on the inside. That with time, inevitably, all sadly fall. And the reason for that is, it's because they've allowed their exterior to define who they are. When in actuality, how we were designed and created to be by God was to flip that upside down and to have an understanding of who we are, and then who we are is to flow into what we do. You see, in actuality, we, we, the first question we ask people is like, hey, like, what's your name? What do you do? We don't get to know people. We sit and we just talk about all of the achievements that we've had that we feel define us and give us value. When in actuality, that's the exact opposite understanding when we look at how God created us to be. And so tonight, I wanna, I wanna answer that question not from the inside out, but from up to down. Instead of allowing life to define who we are and what meaning we hold, we have to bring meaning to the world by living out of who we are created to be. So many people are looking for their purpose, their value, and their meaning in life when in actuality we were created to bring purpose, value, and meaning to life. Not the other way around. That's why we have an identity crisis in our world today. It's not because of TikTok, or actually that's at like kind of the core of it. It is because of TikTok. TikTok is the devil, so is Snapchat. Delete it off your phone. Amen. Praise God. But you see, we, we've got an identity issue because we've got it backwards. So tonight we're going to talk about three defining principles. Everybody say three. Three defining principles to live by from Romans chapter 8 that we can use to form our identity. Uh, we're not going to put things on the screen on purpose tonight. I want you all to engage with your Bible and to engage with your notes because I'm gonna hope that this would be something that you would have at the end. So if you could, pull out your phone and hey, if you start texting, just remember, God's always watching. No, I'm just playing, but really. No, pull out your phone, pull it up to Romans 8. As you do that, I'm gonna pray over us. Father God, would you be with us tonight? God, would you show us your plan and your goodness and your greatness? God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julius. God bless you. Um, you know, I, I used to be a little bit of a, a sneakerhead. Anyone else like sneakers? Like you're like, yeah, I got a couple. Marcus, praise God for your finances. Uh, man, like I used to really, really like shoes. Um, and it's all actually because of Kua. Kua was with, with me when I uh, got my first pair of Jordans. He was with me when um, I got my most expensive pair of shoes. Uh, that I enjoyed. I, 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 I have to admit, I had a hype beast era, as you would say, um, in this hype beast era. 
I had a nice tapered high fade. Uh, I wore jeans that had a little bit of sheen on them. Uh, and uh, um, first of all, this isn't your opportunity, okay? This is, this is my opportunity to preach. So, Marcus, you're going to take your wife home? No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Jax. Um, yeah, so in case you were wondering, those shoes right there paid for my wife's engagement ring. Yes, thank you for zooming in on those. Um, those are Travis Scott ones, and uh, I sold them after wearing them for two years for an amount of money that I could buy a car with. And um, that's why sneakers are stupid and why I decided to get out the game. But um, you can't see it in this photo because I wouldn't allow you no matter how much they zoom. But I got so far deep into this hype beast um, that I lost control of myself. Anyone get lost, lost in like an identity and you just kind of like lose touch with who you are? Uh, well, for me, that pinnacled when I started wearing uh, the DK Metcalf dangly cross earring. And... Uh, yeah, so there's, there's not going to be a photo of that tonight. Sorry. But I, uh, I love shoes. I love shoes. It was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a season. It was a season. I eventually grew out of it, like I said, because I just decided to sell, sell my shoes so I can get married, buy a big old rock for this lady I love. Praise God. You can't see it because it's hidden in the other ear, okay? Nice try, tech team. You're going to stop it right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are distracting from the gospel of the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Dylan Thomas. But the saddest part of fashion, listen, the saddest part of fashion for me is this, and maybe you can agree. Oftentimes, these things that are proclaimed to be expensive are made out of the exact same materials of the things that are just cheap. Okay, here, here's what I think. Uh, Kua, can you, can you bring that bag up to me, please? You got me into sneakers, so we're going to talk about sneakers together. Kua, thank you so much. I got three pairs of shoes in here. Hold on, hold that. Just hold it open for me. I got three pairs of shoes. They're all made by the exact same company, okay? They're all the exact same shoe. They're all a Chuck 70, okay? But because of... Who made them, they got a little bit of a different price. Who thinks they know out of these shoes which one's the most valuable? Raise your hand. Who, who thinks you know? Who thinks you know? Yeah, what do you think, T? You, this one? Yeah. The middle? Great. Anyone think this one? Yeah, no? Okay, so what's funny, these were $20 at Ross. Okay? Marshalls, I'm sorry, in Canada. Yeah, these are Canadian chucks. Canada is real. These are uh, made by a wonderful man named Jerry Lorenzo. He runs a company called Fear of God. These are Fear of God Converse, the first ones he ever made. They're busted and dusted. Why? Because shoes are meant to be worn, okay? Don't leave your sneakers on the shelf, okay? And then second, these were made, are made by uh, a brand called Maybe Tomorrow, designer named Mark Wong. He's uh, the personal designer for uh, this guy named Justin Timberlake. No big deal. Um, and you would be correct in thinking that these shoes are the most expensive. They were double the price of these shoes, and we're not going to talk about what that price point was because we don't need, thank you, Kua, we don't need to know how deep in the, the process I was, Okay. We just need to know I've been delivered, okay? That's all that really matters. But when we understand, when we understand um, fashion, when we understand value inside of fashion, it's, it's, it's based off of three main things. 
You can genuinely nail down how expensive something is going to be in regards to fashion off of three main things. Number one, the intentionality and the design it was made with was something made with purpose. These right here, these were hand-pressed. The design on these shoes is not the regular design you see on a Chuck Taylor sneaker because these were hand-put on by the designer that made them. Then the next thing that we see that determines the value of these is, again, how close the product was made to the person that designed it. If it was just made in a random factory, it doesn't carry the same value as if you can say, no, the guy that created this design also created this shoe. Like, put this shoe together himself. Like, it, it's, it's that one. And then lastly, and the most significant reason why something is uh, expensive or carries more of uh, a value in fashion is because of the reputation of the designer. If the reputation of the designer is low, nobody cares. Like, if there was just a Walmart logo on these, they would sell for minus retail. That's just because that's just not what people would want on their shoe. But because there's a, you know, a Nike symbol put on them and there's another logo on the other side and they were handmade by the guy that designed them, these shoes carried a lot of value and significance. And when we think about our lives, it's the exact same for us. You see, if, if, if we're understanding our identity, we have to understand that our intention and our design and our value and our significance is all tied to the designer that created us. All of that is wrapped up in God. And for us to understand who we are and who we're supposed to be, we have to have a clear understanding of the purpose that we were made with, the value that we carry when we're in proximity and closeness to God, and then the victory and the strength that we get to walk in because of the reputation that God holds. Those three things inform our identity. So starting in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through verse 30, we're going to understand the first thing that we can take from this. Romans 8, 28, verse 30. And we know that in all things God works for the good, everybody say good, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everybody say purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. First thing to understand out of Romans chapter 8 is this. My purpose is clear as a child of God. My purpose is clear as a child of God. You see, the purpose of these shoes was set when they were created. Chuck Taylors were made to hoop in and to look good in. They were not made to hike in. They were not made to wear around Disneyland. Some of you freaks that think you can wear Converse around Disneyland, you scare me. I don't know why you would do that. They were not made to run in. They for sure were not made to swim in. You see, as long as you're living outside of the purpose that you were designed in, you're always gonna be confused. And you're always going to struggle to fully live out who you are supposed to be and how you're supposed to live. Starting with your purpose that was established at your design is what is the root of your identity. If you don't have an understanding of your purpose and the way in which you were designed, you will never be able to fully step into your identity. The obsession in, we have with understanding our purpose. What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do on this life? 
is something that drives all of us because it's something we were created with. If you stick around here long enough, you'll hear me say this quite often. It's you were created on purpose for a purpose. Another way to say it is you were created on purpose with a purpose. And it's this understanding that there is no mistakes, there is no accidents, there is a design to each and every single one of our lives. And when we tap into our purpose, we can finally then begin to tap in to our identity and start to have an understanding of who we were created to be. But it's when we get flipped backwards and we look for things in this world to give us our purpose that we begin to get confused. And for me, this, that's how it happened. For me, I, I, I love sports, and I understood one thing about sports. If I played good, people liked me. So I busted my butt, and I played good a lot. A lot, a lot. I was him. Got a college scholarship, okay? Just want to make sure you knew. Didn't play one minute in college because I was a big fish in a little pond when I was in high school. I got to college, and I realized I wasn't him at all, okay? Some of y'all thought I was arrogant. No, I was just telling you only half the story. I was bad. I was busted and I was dusted when I got to college. And so the understanding I had about myself is that instantly my purpose was gone. Instantly, my purpose was foggy. And I, and I, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was created to be. I started looking for it in all these different things. I started looking for it in in accolades, I started looking for it in relationships, I started looking for it in everything I could except for the presence of God. And what ended up happening is this young man who was obsessed with sports and obsessed with, with this purpose that he was going to be a professional athlete, when that fell apart, my life fell apart. Anyone else had their life fell apart, fall apart when your purpose comes into question? Because purpose is at the very center of who we are purpose at the very center of humanity's desire. We don't just want to live and die. We want to live and have meaning. We want to live and have a life that when we look back at it, people say, man, that was a life well lived. But what gets backwards is we think a life well lived is a life full of achievements and accolades. When in actuality, the Bible tells us that a life well lived is simply a life understanding that you were made to honor God with your life. And honoring God with your life adds a level of ease to your life. For me, that changed everything. Because when I was in college, in your exact season of life, I was wrestling with the depression, anxiety, to the point where I got to a place where I wanted to take my own life. And the only thing that pulled me out was not my ability to play sports again. It was not some relationship that instantly made me feel like I had a purpose. It was not some career that I then began to focus on. What pulled me out of depression, what changed my life, what saved my life, was this simple understanding that I was created by a God to worship that God. And that when we lose sight of that, we lose sight of our entire identity. Our struggle with purpose is a struggle with worshiping the creation instead of the creator. If you're struggling with your purpose, that tells you that you are struggling with worshiping the creation instead of worshiping the creator. We were made to worship God, not be worshiped ourselves. Finding our purpose outside of God is at the root of every identity crisis because purpose is also where we find value. And value tells us if we should keep going when this life gets hard. We're gonna keep reading in Romans chapter eight, verse 31 says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he will not also along with him graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. The next thing we can understand about our identity is this. My value is solidified in God's presence. My value is solidified in God's presence. You see, these shoes cost the most money because there was a limited quantity, quantity, and they were handmade by the designer. Those shoes over there with the flames on them, they don't cost the least because they look the silliest, but they cost the least because they were built in a factory, factory without a connection to the one that designed them. And so there was no understanding of its value. They lost value not because they were made from different materials, but, but they lost connection to the designer. You see, the reason why we lose value in our life is not because we're more insignificant than the person next to us or we're not as good or beautiful or successful or amazing as the person next to us. The reason why we lose value in our life is because we lose connection to the one that designed us. When we lose proximity to God, the first thing to go will be the understanding of our value. When we lose proximity to God, the first thing to go will be the belief that we were created more, that we were set apart, and so our life should and could look different. When we lose connection to God, we lose all sense of our value. We have no understanding of our purpose, and because we have no understanding of our purpose, we think our life is meaningless. When we drift from God and we don't bear his name in our life and rely on the world for our success, our value instantly becomes insecure. There is nothing stable and secure about ourselves or this world. A life lived in proximity to God is free from finding value in success or failure because it's ingrained in us through an intimate relationship. A life connected to God is a life full of deep and intrinsic value. Let me tell you what intrinsic means. Intrinsic means unchanging and instilled from creation. It means that when something is established, it can never gain or lose more value. Its value is set. And that's important to understand because in the kingdom of God, you cannot gain or lose value. You can just gain or lose perspective of your value. And that's important for us to understand as well because if we're not careful, we might think that in the same way we can lose value by not doing what God has asked, that we can gain value by being more righteous than the people around us. When in actuality, all that's happening is we've shifted our focus from the God that created us to the rest of the creation that he's established for us to live in proximity to. And when we live like that, we also begin to question our value because, again, we start basing our value off of things that aren't God and things that are surrounding us. And so there's two things to be understood in this truth. Number one, if you're walking into this room tonight and you think your life doesn't have value because you're a failure, 
because you've failed at following God, because you've failed at doing what his book says, because you've failed at whatever it is you put in front of you that says that's where my success is, that's where my value is, you need to understand this one thing. Your value is set, your value is solidified in the presence of God, and all you need is a reconnection to the God that designed you, and instantly you will begin to have a fresh understanding of the value that you were created with. Your life has value, your life has meaning, your life has purpose, and you cannot change that. You can only lose perspective of it. And the same thing is true for those of you that might be walking in this room thinking that you are better than other people because you read your Bible, because you listen to worship music, because you have a podcast that you listen to that informs you about different spiritual formation things or because you read books written by some guy in LA who's like it's the way of Jesus or you just have this understanding of who God is that other people don't have no your value is set and your value is the exact same as the person sitting next to you even if that person sitting next to you is lost in sin and the reason we know that is because the Bible tells us that God sent his son after us, even though we were yet sinners. And so that tells us that we're all sinners in needing of a savior. And we need to be humble and create places and spaces for people to meet Jesus in relationship with others. So once we see what our purpose is and we're connected to that, and we understand our value is solidified in God's presence, we then have the freedom to walk in the victory promised through Jesus. Continuing down in Romans 8, this might be one of my favorite sections of the Bible. If you're going to highlight any part of your Bible, highlight Romans 8, 34 through 39. It says then this. Who then condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the good news of this evening. The last thing that we understand about our identity through Romans chapter 8 is this. My victory is promised through Jesus. My victory is promised through Jesus. In the same way, these shoes could never sell themselves and can't make it onto the feet of hundreds or thousands of hype beasts without their designer, we can never have true victory in our life without our designer. We might believe this lie, especially in American culture. We have this lie that we have to be self-made. We have this thing called the American dream. That means if you hustle hard enough, if you grind hard enough, if you get the 401k, if you get the job, if you get the promotion, you get the the significant other, you get the car, you get the house, you get all the things, then you will be happy. If you can have enough money, if you can have enough status, if you can have enough followers, if you can have enough of whatever it is, fill in the blank, then you'll truly be free. 
from all the sadness, all the chaos, all the hurt of this world. Here's the reality. Everybody dies. Doesn't matter how big your home is. Doesn't matter how expensive your car is. Doesn't matter, matter what your 401k, your savings, your checkings, anything you have to your name does not determine your fate or your future. None of that does. It might determine what the people on this earth think about you and your social status, but it doesn't determine anything about what's guaranteed to you in this life. The only thing guaranteed to us in this life, like I said in John 16, is hardship and struggle. Congratulations. But what we have to understand is that as Christians, we also have a different thing promised to us. And the promise given to us as Christians is that when we believe that we're actually sons and daughters of the Most High King, I'm actually a son of God, okay? Well, that determines my purpose. Then my purpose is to be about my father's business and to honor my father as I live. I want to carry the family name well. That's my purpose. And so because of that, really simple, if I'm close to my father and I'm doing as my father has commanded and I'm doing as my father has instructed, my value is set. And I have an understanding of my value. I can't earn it, I can't achieve it, but I can really relish and live in the fullness of it when I'm obeying what my father has asked me to do. And then from that, what happens is, is I get to walk in the reputation and the name of my father, which if you read the Bible, is simply put in one word, and it's victory. When we live out the calling, when we live out the identity, when we live out the purpose and the value we were designed with, we walk in a victory that says it doesn't matter if I'm depressed, it doesn't matter if I'm anxious, it doesn't matter if I'm overwhelmed, it doesn't matter if I'm poor, I'm sick, I'm down, I'm up, whatever. I am walking in victory because I wasn't made for this life, but I was made for a higher understanding that my value is set, my identity is set, and nothing can shake that in the name of God. That's what we walk in when we walk in victory. Ben, you all can come up and join me. Walking in victory is a phrase that, that you might hear in the church. And I understand, I understand this, this, this truth. I'm speaking to a room of people that are walking through hard things. A room that doesn't need a conversation about identity and doesn't need a conversation about victory is not a room of people living on this earth. Because we will constantly be pressing and pushing against the systems of this world, against the brokenness of this world. Sometimes I get so frustrated with, with Christians that, um, that are surprised when the systems and the establishments of this world fail them. What did you expect? This world has been broken from the moment sin entered it. And so because of that, our calling is to come and restore that through living and loving like Jesus. And walking in victory looks a lot like walking in humility. Of Jesus. It looks like waking up and saying, I could open my phone or I could pause and I could thank God for my breath. And then it says, okay, I, I, I could hop on Instagram once I'm up and I'm out of bed or I could pause and I could 
you know, reflect on God's divine word and allow that to be the first thing into my brain. Okay, I, I could go throughout my day and be concerned about how much money I could make and how I could climb my social status and, and my following and my influence, or I, I could take a low, humble position and seek to serve other people. I can make my whole entire life about reflecting the image of God onto other people by serving them, by loving them, by caring for them. It's a decision that says I, I could focus on the pain. I could focus on the heartache. I could focus on all the things that are wrong, all the things that are broken, all the things that, that make me feel like God is letting me down. I could focus on all those things. Or I could begin to slowly but surely choose victory day after day after day. And that's exactly what this is. Victory in Christ and understanding our victory that we have because of him is a daily invitation. It is something that every single morning, just like a glass of water we have to drink in order to make sure our body functions well, we have to bring on the victory of God afresh and anew every single morning. And then in the same way, if we forget to drink water for our day, our whole body shuts down. If we get to have time in the presence of God, and if we forget to have time understanding who God created us to be and the purpose and the design and the value that we carry, instantly our victory gets a little bit foggy. And we get to a place where we say, God, where are you? I don't see you in my life. I don't see you moving. I don't see you breathing on how I'm living. It's because I'm not there. I'm right here and you've, you've gone over there. And what's, what's challenging about this is sitting in the presence of God does not mean the struggle disappears. But it means that you have a peace and a hope that transcends all understanding in the midst of your struggle. Philippians 4 tells us that as we think about things that are lovely, that are pure, that are honorable, that are just... That that and only that is what allows the peace that transcends all understanding to rest in our lives. And so often what happens is we stop walking in victory because we've changed what allows to speak into our purpose. We stop walking in victory because we've changed what's defining our value. We stop walking in victory because we're only focused on all the things that were broken and never intended to give us value and purpose and meaning in the first place. And so because of that, we're lost. We're hopeless. We have a long road ahead of us to try and get back. And we look at that long road and we say, is it even worth it? And the reason why we ask that question is because we're really asking Am I even worth it? Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? And that right there, that is the very place that God can begin to reclaim, reform, and restore your identity as his son or his daughter. That right there is the place where God can begin to breathe value and to re-solidify 
That is the very place where you can take a step up and you can start walking in the direction of victory again, slowly but surely, day by day, moving from glory to glory in an understanding that we were not created to have what this society determines as a successful life, but we were created to have a relationship with the one that created us and to find all purpose, meaning, and value in an intimate relationship with him. If you're, um, can you put the full slide back up with all three? If you're here tonight, you might be looking at this and be like, why are they using the word affirmations? Uh, Get over it. This right here, I think, is one of the most foundational things that you can do every single morning. Again, this is your this is your glass of water. This is your reminder. And maybe there's a there's one or one of those or two of those. If you're like me, you wish there was more of those because you need more. But maybe there's 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 a couple of them that are speaking to you tonight. I just encourage you to take a photo of this, write this down in your notes. And for the next week to, to consider how much different your day, your week, your month, your year, your life could be if you began to drink this glass of water every single morning. You started your day with a biblical affirmation of who you are. You read Romans 8, you read about who you were created by, what you were created to do, and the power that you have. And then because of that, you begin to live out that power. I believe if we start to do things like this, we'll start to see a change in our generation. I believe we'll start to see a change in the young adults in North County. I believe we'll start to see a lot less depression, anxiety. I believe we'll start to see a lot less um, desire for defining truth and an, an acceptance of God's truth because as we begin to experience God's presence, we begin to trust him more. We begin to trust his word more. That's where I think we're headed if we begin to live these things out. So again, if this is one of your first times here, we do things a little bit different in response. Um, they're gonna, our band's gonna sing a song and you can feel free to stand, you can feel free to sing along with them, but really our goal is that you would begin to internalize and make a plan of how your life is gonna be different because of what you heard tonight. So as we go into this song of worship, when you feel ready, please stand to your feet and declare the victory that God has given you. We wanna go out proclaiming that we serve a God who's given us every good and perfect thing in our life. But some of you might need to do business right now. Some of you might need to sit into a place where you become an acceptance of the fact that you're a son or daughter of God. And we want to give you an opportunity to wrestle with that. So right now, Father God, I just pray over every single young adult in this room. God, I pray that you would begin to speak value, purpose, and meaning into all of our lives. God, we find our fullest self in the depth of your presence.